boy. Yeah, we're here. Just, just, just two guys. The end of the, the hard work day, stressed out. What's up, Terrell? Yeah, man, I'm chilling. I'm just trying to live in this now heat wave that we're finally getting. Just to add a little stress to everything, you know what I mean? Glad somebody's Sound. chilling, man. It's it's Big Will, Heavy Hole Podcast. Round of applause, my co-host oh. Terrell. Terrell Graham Actually, back I, in the building. What I started off so negative? Let me, let me because I that. did. You took you took my lead. <laughs> you you. I'm so because I'm showing poor leadership. As as the host of the show. <laughs> now you were just being real, and I went started crying. Oh man, yeah. But look at you. You're chilling. Wah, You're wah, like wah. next to an AC. Like that's a- perfect. The AC has to be turned off because the because oh. for some reason I put my podcasting equipment right right next to the desk that has the AC. It's just a dumb move. I got to reconfigure everything. Thanks for giving me one more thing to be bummed out about on the oh, yeah, yeah. on the show. No reminders. Listen, for the listeners, I'm here. I got my dry erase board like Charlie from Always Sunny with all the little lines going everywhere. I got receipt. I look at Terrell. I actually look at this, Terrell. Oh, see. I got, look, Burlington Coat Factory. Look, dude, I got all these. This is actually for my taxes next year. I'm I'm, I'm growing up. I'm over 40 now. No, I got receipts on everybody in the death metal community. No one's safe. No, I'm just kidding about that. Um, No, I got receipts. We're getting audited. Yeah, yeah. I'm auditing Reeking Aura. Right now, in preparation for our upcoming tour with animals killing people, Atoll and Pyrexia, that's amazing. Going through every bit of merch, I'm I have a black light and I'm scanning every T-shirt that's still in our inventory to make sure it's still perfect to sell to our friends down in there in Delaware, the Carolinas, uh, ATL, Hotlanta, if they still call it that. I'm old. The the in Florida, wherever. When we come back home to New Jersey, we're gonna tell you about all of that a little bit later. I'm st- super stressed out right now, Terrell. Um, let's let's reminisce on easier times, better days, like last Thursday when I saw you at the St. Vitus Bar. Um, I actually saw you. I was on stage after birth. Had the the pleasure of opening up for Stabbing and Defeated Sanity. I looked at you and I I, I saw that oh, you, yeah. there was a tear in your eye. Yeah, you tell the tear communicated always yeah there was a little tear in your eye you were you were welling up i could tell you were proud of me i'm sorry i said it (laughs) (laughs) you're right you're right no we're being facetious here um but yeah i told the listeners last week a little bit like the like the day like four hours after i got off stage it sounded like i recorded a podcast intro and outro last week and i told them a little bit about that show was that your first time seeing defeated sanity oh that that's a troll question right what that was a oh yeah well uh, actually i don't know maybe maybe not i've okay, not I've, okay. I've seen them maybe four or five times at this point i could going say back to 2010 it was my first time seeing them in almost 20 years wow yeah oh the, wow the last the premises tour yes since then yes yes wow. yes i look i never have professed to been the guy to be the guy at every show <laughs> I'm not trying to cool guy anyone. There was a long period of time there where I wasn't going out to the city for shows and stuff. You know what I'm saying, man? Like I, I'm better about it nowadays. But I've I've missed out on a lot. Now I have FOMO, I fear of missing out. But yeah, I missed defeated sanity a lot over the years. I'm glad I caught them the other day. That was a triumphant return and mighty triumphant return in the words of internal suffering. Um, Dude, honestly, playing with them is better. So that's the real flex. <laughs> mm, we just 
We just warmed up. We just they wanted us to do that to make sure that the PA worked and to test out to make <laughs> no, sure you the guys were a great fit. Make sure the yeah, ele- was, the electricity really worked and everything. They wanted to get the get a you know little background music while people were ordering their cocktails for the for the function. Cool. Shout to Stabbing, <laughs> Stabbing, good band. My first time seeing them live. Good band making waves in the scene. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't. I, I got a. You know, it shows, man, and you know this as a, as one of my bandmates for a while now more than anyone, I get a little squirrely at those shows. I show up, I'm like, what's up, man? What's, I got like two boxes <laughs> in my hand and a backpack on. I'm like, oh, yeah, what's up? You guys got the merch yet? Where You talk to this guy yet? You, like, I'm a little I'm a little out there, man. So shout out to everybody. I want to reach out to Stabbing and, and maybe get a uh, an interview with one of those um, uh, uh, band members uh, from that band. Uh, I did. I did. I did get to meet uh, former guest of the show, Lilith from uh, Defeated Sanity. Quickly, while he was sitting, I just shook his hand. I said, "Sir, I know you're working. We've spoken <laughs> in the past, you know, like a gentleman." Um, but but yeah, good times all around, man. That was that was a beautiful show. But you didn't stop there, Terrell. That was like the biggest thing of my week, right there. But for you, it was just like the opening chapter in like a uh, like the Hangover movies, almost like a saga of a weekend, right? Yeah, and just like some of those movies, you didn't really need the sequels, but they still, <laughs> you still forced it. Uh, those, uh, those... I mean, I was so shot already after Defeat of Sandy, but then, you know, we went and we played a show two days after, um, so I obviously couldn't skip that. But um, And then I went to a show again two days after that. Okay, well, wait a minute, you because you, 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 Thetis, your band Thetis yeah. performed with Pyrexia and Animals Killing People, right? Yep, exactly. And then uh, Body Torment. Yes, um, yes, yeah. All the way from the West Coast, yeah. Yeah, I've been I've been doing a lot of things at home and family type stuff in preparation for going to be away in a few weeks on this tour we're doing. Couldn't make it to that one, unfortunately. Uh, but tell me a little bit about that, man. I mean, that was kind of cool because Reeking Aura wasn't there, but you were there with your other band. Animals Killing People's there. Pyrexia's there. It's like almost like you guys are ju- juicing up the, the tour to be, you know, like just like prep, prepping the the engine a little bit. Yeah, definitely. It was it was a while since I saw uh, animals killing people, and they were awesome. You know, they're hot hot off there, like playing obscene upstream with yes. with Pyrexia as well. Yes, and um, you know, both bands sounded intense and awesome. Um, Body Torment brought that brutality as well, and uh, yeah, of course, I saw Chris. He he didn't realize I played in another band, so he, he's just like, "Yo, you guys and all these fucking bands." You yeah, know? you know, so we're yep. He knows how it goes. Those guys, those those guys from the um the golden era, man. You got one band and you live that band. That's you know what I mean, man. For us, yeah. it's a little it's a little different. You got to put out the feels on the internet and see which one people want more. You know what I mean? Um, you gotta, yeah, you got to cast the wide net. Yeah, and for some reason, people want buckshot facelift. Like, well, stop asking me about that shit. Yes. <laughs> no, well, just... I'll tell you this. So, don't mean to go on too big of a tangent. Yeah. I saw Mortician and All at War at Jimmy's and stabbed you know, a couple weeks back, maybe a month or two ago now at this point. And uh, me and Sam were talking to one of the guys that wasn't dripping for, for a little bit. Okay. And, you know, he was talking about the bands. He was like, oh, Reeking or I'm not really familiar. He's like, oh, he also played in Bookshop. He's like, Bookshop, Facebook. Like, of course I know those guys. So I'm like, how did he, I guess he was an older head and he he's known about it. He knew Bookshop. He's like, oh, when you guys are coming back. So it's kind of funny. Like now I'm realizing people did know Bookshop and, of we, course, they they start coming back after. <laughs> well, you know the thing about that band was that the the drummer 
was a big part of the personality of the band. So the band had a very in-your-face personality. Um, and, you know, you may have not seen Great the end. Point. may have not seen the end of that band. But, yeah, I, I was just joking to begin with, man. But that's funny. Shout out to Dripping. Uh, great band in the uh, annals of uh, New Jersey death metal history. Um, our listeners should check that out. We should do we should do a, a, a podcast with one of those guys. We should try to get somebody from Dripping on the show. I know some of those guys are still around. It might be the guy I'm thinking of that was because there was a Buckshot show that Gutter Christ booked um, many years ago uh, at, at one of those like bar and grill places in North Jersey type. Thing. It was the last day of our little tour. Like we went down. Yeah. I th- we went, we did a weekender or something, and when we met one of those guys. But anyway, yeah, that's Hartley's. Yep, Hartley's. Yeah, uh, shout out to Hartley's. Okay, so, but now, um, getting back, there's one more thing you saw. You saw one more show. I'm actually wondering if it might be more appropriate to talk about that last show you went to after the uh, the interview break. Yeah, no, it's, it's relevant to another segment we have coming see, up on today's episode. Yeah, you you see what I'm cooking up over here. Yeah, the, li- yeah, yeah. the listeners can't cook. see the frying pan and the spatula, but I got it. Like <laughs> like little like little B used to do. Um, oh, yeah. I'm dating myself again, dude. I make references thinking that like it's like a current re- it's like I'll talk about shit that's like ten years ago, thinking it's now. That's like how you know you're becoming an old head, man. Like I, I'm realizing myself too. Oh, I'm so out of touch. Starting to see how things get skewed. But listen, man. Um. <laughs> You know, all this talk about uh, growing up, um, the young people in the scene bringing the death metal scene back, the old the old heads keeping it true, staying true to the game. I got special guests here today. Uh, my guests today are not necessarily artists um, or behind the scenes big label guys or anyone else like that or someone who prints T-shirts. We're going to have that one coming up soon, though, in another episode. I caught up with two very good friends of mine from the local scene who've been coming out and supporting my bands and supporting the podcast a lot lately. And the reason I wanted to talk to them is because they had a very, they both have a very um, open uh, minded perspective on things. They're willing to, to talk about things, the metal scene and beyond. And the uh, interesting part about this is that my friend Bill is my friend Chris's father. So I caught up with both of them, and I want to talk about the dynamic of a father-son team going to shows, supporting the underground community, and where, where their perspectives on the metal scene and other things in life meet and differentiate uh, with mine. So with that uh, in mind, we're going to get into it right now with a kind of all-ages discussion with my friends Bill and his son Chris. Check, check, yeah. check. Check, check. Okay, this is Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast. I'm here with two local friends of mine uh, who I know through the local metal scene and going to shows, Bill and Chris. And this is kind of a special episode. I want to generate a discussion because Bill uh, is actually Chris's father. Um, and I, and I, as I just said behind the scenes, I feel like I'm maybe a generation somewhere in the middle, somewhere between the two of them. And we want to have maybe like this generational conversation so first of all bill welcome to the program thank you very much for your time thank you for having us well thank you of course man and chris thank you as well yeah thank you 
Yeah, uh, no, no problem, man. I appreciate you guys making the time. And I just wanted to start off like I always do, no matter who I have, I get a little bit of a background, um, and I ask... Uh, well, usually if it's a band or somebody, I ask if there's uh, music in the family or anything like that. So, Bill, what I would ask you is, is there any um, musicianship in your family, performing arts in your family, or any appreciation for hard rock and heavy metal in your family just beyond yourself or you and Chris? Actually, no, to sum it up, um, none, none at all. Okay, we get that from time to time, man. Um, and... Like I was gonna say, are you actually were you a fan of hard rock and heavy metal um in your youth, earlier in your life, or is this something that you've um gotten to know more because Chris, your son, has gotten into it? I grew up with heavy metal, uh Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, you know, the staples. And then of course Kiss came on the scene and uh, you know, it was hard not to find a KISS fan. So <laughs> then those were my staples. Yeah. Okay, and I think like one of the threads I wanted to kind of run through this conversation, having grown up with that stuff um, and then seeing it to where it is today uh, with all these different subgenres and, and breakdowns of different different types of metal and types of deathcore and hardcore and all this and, and all this sort of, it's got to be pretty amazing for you to kind of like step back and look at it look at look at heavy metal from that perspective, huh? I really appreciate the musicians of today. I mean, I saw metal hit its peak. I saw it die off in the late 80s and 90s when it became glam rock. Um, it was so fake. Even the hardcore guys started getting turned off. And my son started introducing me to all these bands, the, the uh, thrash metal and so on. And I really gained a lot of respect for the musicians, the singers, such as yourself, your voice is amazing. I mean, that's just, that's going to be legendary. That's going to be a legend within itself. Um, just taken back by, okay, I saw everything peak. And then all of a sudden, all these different musicians, these bands, different flavors come across. And I was really, really taken back by, wow. I thought nobody could come up with something better than, you know, the iconic Black Sabbaths and Kiss. And I, I really am taken back and proud to be in into this now with my son who introduced me to this. Proud to have met people like you, Will. And it just, it's taken it to a next level where I, you know, I think people should be more open-minded. And uh, really, I can't see why this thing isn't bigger than what it is. Hmm. Um, thank you for the compliment, uh, first of all. And it's, it's bigger now in my perception than it has been. It's on a bit of a Renaissance period now compared to maybe like 20 years ago or so. I don't know. Um, and then there's people that would argue that with me. So it, a lot of it is perception. Um, and now, but now maybe going to Chris for a second now. So Chris growing up, do you remember being exposed to hard rock and heavy metal um, as a young kid or like what, what's your, cause you're a little bit younger. Um, if, if I got it right, you're, you're from a generation where you're, you're recently, uh, did you just graduate high school or are you still in high school? Yeah, I just graduated. Congratulations, man. That's great. Uh, um, yeah. And, and, um, we, we applaud that. And so you're from a much younger generation. Tell us about your journey getting into hard rock and heavy metal music. Uh, as I always ask, was it a little bit of it through the family, 
um, or through any any kind of friends of the family, or did you discover it like a lot of people do from your generation? We've heard on the internet or or through um, uh, gaming things like that. I don't know. You tell me. So, like, basically, like in pre-K, whenever my dad would pick me up, he'd play like Black Sabbath and System of a Down in the car. It was like it was like the same like three songs. It was like Children of the Grave, NIB, uh, Iron Man, and then like Sugar, and then. I, I love those songs and like some kiss as well, but then I kind of fell out of music. I actually like didn't listen to like any music up until like sixth grade. And then my uncle gave us a bunch of CDs and um, then I kind of like rummaged through the bin and like, I just saw like that there was an Iron Maiden, like Ed Hunter compilation. Um, I don't know if you've heard of that one, but it has like a game inside of it. And so I was like, Oh yeah, that, because I, I love games. So I was like, let me load it up and see what's on it. And then, the game didn't even work from like 1997. It's like 2016, and uh, but then I was like, all right, I'll listen to the music. And I put on Future Real. That was the first song I heard, and then I, I was like blown away. I think my mouth was open like the whole time, and I went through like the whole compilation, like listening to it. And then after that, I got into like Metallica heavily, and then I got um. Do you know Rocksmith? I I don't. What what is that? It's a it's a game. It's kind of like Guitar Hero, but for like actual guitar. And you basically plug your guitar into like you know like whatever console you have it on, and then um, it comes with like different songs. You could buy like different songs to play as well. And um, there was War Ensemble on it, and that and I heard that song and I was like I was like blown away. I was like, and I just kept listening to Slayer, and then I got into Cannibal Corpse. And then I just kept like getting deeper and deeper, and yeah. Okay, all right. Let me stop you there and go back to Bill a second because you mentioned Iron Maiden, Metallica, Slayer, Cannibal Corpse, like further down that wormhole of extreme music. Bill, from your generation, now do you like were you an Iron Maiden, Metallica guy back in the day, or was that kind of stuff that you were just like more pedestrian on? More pedestrian on. I definitely listened to it. But it wasn't my, like my son said, I always had playing the same songs over and over again. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, I had I had uh, Slayer. They were up there, Iron Maiden, iconic group, just like Slayer. Yeah, no, I listened to them, yes. Okay, what is it like now when your son kind of comes of age and he's listening to these bands and that sort of thing? Just give me a little insight into that. That's got to be an interesting feeling. Oh, it is. It's it's like a bonding situation right there you're like wow it's okay so i didn't force this on him yeah um he kind of grew into it and, and learned to appreciate it on his own so that's great something we could share so that was uh it was a bonding moment so that was beautiful it was what uh let me ask you this chris what's your first concert experience um in general even if it wasn't metal um so in like 2018, my dad was asking me if I wanted to go to any concerts. And I looked up on Google, I was like, concerts near me. And literally like the next day, there was like Black Label Society and I Hate God playing at the Paramount. And I was like, oh, I want to go to that because we, we both really like uh, Zach Wilde and Black Label Society. So we saw it and I had a great time. But honestly, the second time we saw them wasn't great. But, you know, that first time I'm always going to remember. Fair enough. Yeah, the Paramount and Huntington. I've been to a few good shows there, man. Um, yeah. Overkill uh, and July 30th. 
over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I missed that one, man. The last show I was there was it, it wasn't the most extreme show. It was Queensrÿche, uh, but it was still good. And actually, Marty Friedman uh, of you know of Megadeth fame, his solo project played, which was very. It was like very shreddy, like guitar, you know, guitar shredder, guitar center guy type of shreddaholic stuff, you know. But it was cool, man. Um, but not to get sidetracked, Bill. Let me ask you this then: What was your first concert um, experience? I mean, you know, going back. It was Kiss um, in 1977 or 1978. I, w- I was blown away. It was Love Gun. It was a Love Gun tour, yeah. Where was that? Madison Square Garden. Wow. That must have been a zoo. It was. We had the worst seats, nosebleed, but couldn't see anything. There were no screens back then, but it was. it was still a rush. It was a rush. It was one to remember. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I feel like, um, kiss in, and, and maybe Chris, you could give your, your, your take on this. I just want to say quick, like in my, you know, I, I kind of came of age, was a teenager and so forth. So I graduated high school in 2000 to give you my, where I kind of sit with this. I'm 41 and kiss for my generation. We grew up, we kind of knew to respect it, but it was like, I felt like you, it was also something where maybe you had to be there. Um, and experience something like that to really appreciate what Kiss did and, and what they were. Uh, whereas, like, in my generation, it was more like Gene Simmons on reality TV. Kind of, it, it watered down the image a little bit, I think, for people who weren't there. I don't, Chris, you want to give your take on that? I mean, you know, obviously today everybody makes fun of Kiss and, like, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley because they're, like, money grubby. But, I mean, I, I still love their music. Like, all the albums up until Love Gun... I, I love and then because he showed me, you know, Kiss, but I mean, I still listen to them. And I don't know, obviously, like you said, Gene Simmons is like just crazy and everybody makes fun of him. But I, I, I still think like, you know, you could separate the music from the artists. You absolutely can. I've learned to appreciate Kiss for the music a little bit later in life. Um I think, you know, we've talked about day jobs and so on and so forth. I I do work with people who have autism and different disabilities. And I, I know a guy who knows the whole Kiss catalog and would insist on playing Kiss every time I would work with him or drive him around or anything like that. And I really, and, and you know, after a while, I said to myself, wow, you know, a lot of this stuff is like proto metal, proto space metal even. You know, there's a lot of, <clears throat> uh, a lot of stuff I missed there going back. So... Now, we talked about Iron Maiden, Metallica, that sort of thing. Were you going to, like, uh, Bill, were you going to heavy metal concerts, like, through the 80s? And you mentioned, like, where metal peaked and then it kind of died off and got a little bit more commercial and glamorized? I I didn't pursue going to concerts too much. I mean, back then you had to call a number to get tickets and give you credit card information over the phone. It wasn't, like, on the Internet. And every time I called, it was always sold out. If you did go to Madison Square Garden, um, scalpers were selling tickets at ridiculous prices. So I just got lucky and got into Kiss that time. Um, But no, that was basically it until later in my life. Okay, because I wanted to get your perspective. Something I was thinking about when I was kind of taking notes before, I wanted to get your perspective because I think the first time we met was at Amityville Music Hall. Um, As I said, and I thank you, you guys have always been very supportive of my bands and my friends' bands locally here. Um, What is it like going to these smaller venues uh, and seeing this, like, like the real underground scene where 
Uh, artists are literally there in your face. Sometimes, you know, Amityville Music Hall is a very professional venue. Sometimes we have, like, you know, more bars, sports bars here on Long Island that'll have uh, shows, too, where literally there's no stage and people are playing on the floor. I wanted to get your perspective on that, Bill, coming from uh, um, uh, a generation where there was a little, where, where heavy metal and hard rock had a little bit more of a stage and a platform. Right. Uh, you feel... I mean, you like the bigger shows because they, they have the money backing them to do the lights, to do the fireworks. So what money can't buy is what these small venues do. They give you that upfront, raw, like in your face, boom, you know, and um, you feel it. You feel like when you're on stage, I feel you. Yeah, you know, like I see you up there sweating. I see you <laughs> taking that deep breath to put out that voice, you know. So you feel, you see the uh, stress or, you know, that guitarist reaching for that note and that drummer beating it out. It's all in your face and it's up close and it's personal and it's powerful. That's something that the big bands lose when they do these thirty, forty thousand dollars seat arenas. The yeah, I do sweat and breathe heavy a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I meant it in a good way. Like you're I know, really I know, putting your heart and soul into it. You know, it's like I I gotta make I gotta joke about it. That but I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Um, uh, the listeners know I always do a lot of self-deprecating humor, man. Um, <laughs> so uh, now let me flip that to Chris real quick because Chris, you said the fir- that was your first concert. You said was the um uh the Zach Wild the Black Label Society at pa- at Paramount. Yeah. And then you go to you kind you kind of downgrade to like smaller death metal events where you're seeing my bands and my friends' bands. What's your take on that? Like, what's your expectation? Um, you know that you think you know concerts are supposed to be. You get to the Paramount Huntington. That's a very professional, more upscale venue. They have uh, uh, bigger touring acts come through, and then you're going to see the underground bands. Take take me through that. Like, what's what's that like for you? And kind of having that realization that there's an underground music scene. So the first underground show I went to, just because, you know, you were like talking about um, how I got into it. So um, the first small show I went to was actually at Amityville and it was obituary and 200 stab wounds um, at, and gruesome. At, and it, it was a sold out show. And I was I'm not going to lie. I was kind of scared because I was like, <laughs> I didn't know what to expect. And then we went in and 200 stab wounds is in like the middle of playing and we walk in and we didn't even know we were walking into the mosh pit. So we walk into the mosh pit by accident. Cause we were trying to like walk around it. Cause we didn't, cause we never were in something like that. So we thought we could walk on the edge and be fine. Yeah. And my friend loves to mosh. He was there and he didn't even notice me. He was just in like a blind, like fury. And he was just like, like he pushed me and he didn't even know it was me. And afterwards I went to him like, did you even know that it was me? And he pushed me. I slipped on like some beer, slipped <laughs> into the audience and somebody pushed my dad <laughs> it's like we were like we didn't even know what to expect and um that's really how we cool. started yeah it was cool but we start that's how we started getting into you know like the underground shows yeah uh you said that obituary at amityville music hall that was yeah that was last march i yeah yeah i didn't make it to that one man but i can only imagine how packed out that must have been um that was yeah complete i think that was the most packed i've ever seen amityville yeah that's probably the upper limit to what type of band you could get to play at that venue, man. That's great that they could get that there. That's crazy. I know Black Dahlia Murder played there years ago, too, which must have been yeah. similar. Um, so, Bill, uh, now, this is something like may, maybe maybe this is just perception-based, but you know, I've talked about this 
with some other people that were at shows back in the eighties and were you know have been around um, for a few years. The uh, the perception that heavy metal, the heavy metal scene, concerts in general, things were a little bit more. I don't know if you want to say dangerous, violent, um, controversial. Back in the day, you know, we hear we hear stories about CBGBs, we hear stories about drugs and violence and that sort of thing. The idea that maybe now the metal scene. Things are, I don't know if you'd want to use the word safer as if things have been toned down, but just that maybe the, the culture is a little different now. I don't know if you want to speak to that or speak to maybe did you have apprehensions taking your son to these shows and what you what you perceive of the scene now compared to what maybe people's perception of it is. I, just, you know, if you want to get into that. Uh, sure. Now that you mentioned CBGBs, I did go with a bunch of friends to try to get in when it was around back in the day. And right from the outside walking to the place you could see the whole block littered with the people that are supposed to be in there but they're outside smoking and drinking uh we couldn't get in because it was that packed but i didn't feel unsafe but i've heard stories um i never saw anything that was really unsafe back then i it's still a mix you have a I didn't feel unsafe taking my son to any of these venues. These people go there to see a show. Um, you know, that you see what happens on the mosh pit. You have the choice not to get involved. So nobody's forcing you. Um, I've never seen anything disorderly. I yeah. Well, minor stuff, minor stuff. No. You know, you, well, the one I went to with my friend. Oh, that was different. <laughs> but um, all in all, anytime, anytime airports you hear things people doing on planes anytime you get a bunch of people and you crowd them together it could it could spill over into uh, something bad but given the way people are packed in i totally feel safe with my son and i going there and his friends yeah um and uh chris do you want to speak to that maybe too just that idea I don't know what your perception is, what what you maybe have have heard or read or seen of of uh you know kind of like the history of the metal scene. But growing up, I always had this idea that uh, shows could get a little out of hand, could be dangerous. And as I grew up, I realized maybe some of that was overblown, or I was going to different shows. One of those things. Um. Well, for me, I I I mean, obviously, when I first got into it, I did think that like moshing was just for like idiots or something. <laughs> and because you know, I mean, if you're not into the thing, I mean, you're just kind of like, why is people doing this? And moshing does look fun, but to be honest with you, I still to this day don't like uh, hardcore moshing, like, you know, kicking and like flailing your arms around just because a lot of times it's not contained in the pit. It's just like people kind of crowd kill, which I feel like really kills the vibe. And I remember I went to, I know you've played there, uh, Shaker's Pub. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. You even know. So there's this guy, we went to, um, a, a hardcore shows out of pocket. They're from California. And it was also fool's game and a couple other bands. And the first opening band, the first band, I went with my friend and literally the only platform where they sell merch and the band plays on the floor. Mm -hmm. Yes. So me and my friend were standing up there. Cause they're like, Oh, nothing bad's going to happen to us. And then this guy comes running up on the platform, starts flailing his arms, pushes my friend into the wall, like starts punching people. He knocks into the merch table, almost breaks the thing. Um, and then he just grabs some random guy, starts punching the shit out of him. And then he, like, it's like the family guy, like chicken fight. 
and he starts like they go around the bar just like punching the shit at each other and then at some point it ends and the guy slammed the other guy into like food and then like then the, um the the same guy who beat up the first guy like one song later like this is like a minute later he fucking rams this guy into the wall this other guy into the wall because he thought that it was the same guy that he beat up in the first place so that was that was the craziest thing i've ever seen on a show because I think that's the only show I've been to that I felt unsafe at because me and my friend were about to leave. And that was my friend's first small show. So, you know, he kind of, he was like, is this what it's always like? And, I, and everybody said, like, they've never seen something like that before. So that was, I feel like that was really the only time I felt unsafe. Other than that, we saw like a fight at Obituary, but it was just like some guy got punched in the face and Chris kicked him out, you know, from internal bleeding. Yeah, shout out to Chris, Chris from Eternal Bleeding making the cameo, Chris McCarthy working the door at Amityville. Yeah, well, in my experience, hardcore shows can get a little out of pocket, no pun intended, um, compared to the metal shows. That's nuts right there. I've been to Shakers. I've, I've, I've told stories about getting my glasses knocked off by somebody who got a little crowd-killing uh, in Shakers, but I've never seen anything that extreme of Shake. But it's funny because as I go out of state, Sometimes bands will actually like Shakers is becoming a, a venue where out of state bands will actually hit and, and on a tour, you know, smaller bands, DIY bands, and the people will see it on flyers and stuff, and they'll ask me about Shakers Pub on Long Island, and I'm, it's like it's one of those things. Yeah, you got just like Kiss in Madison Square Garden, you got to be there. You know what I mean to know yeah, the full yeah, experience. Yeah. Um, it's there's a reason why the people always congregate by the pool tables and not really on the floor where you watch the bands most, right, right, most of right. the time. But um, yeah, I'm not surprised at, at that 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 was uh, uh, Shakers. So uh, now let's. I want to talk a little bit about stylistically with the music because you talked about the classics, Kiss, Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin. Uh, we talked a little bit about Iron Maiden and Metallica and those bands and Slayer stuff. Nowadays, like I said, um, you have bands that are kind of like you know still doing uh, uh still riffing off of a classic sound. They're still hardcore and death metal and grindcore, but there's all these different subgenres. There's very technical, complicated music. There's people using technology live, uh, from the drums to the guitars to to whatever. They're with laptops on stage. Bill, I wanted to get your perception on how things have kind of changed technologically through the years with heavy metal and. You know, is it safe to say that you've been exposed to some music and some bands that you might not have had you not been attending these shows with Chris? Oh, absolutely. I never would have dug in as much as my son has, and I never would have discovered this, um, all these bands and all these different genres without my son's guidance. Um, and I really, I would say the majority of them, I really like and listen on my own. Um, again, it's an appreciation. It's the sound. Obviously, you have to like it, but it's also an appreciation for these musicians. Um, I mean, bands that don't play local, but they do attract a decent crowd like Death Angel. I appreciate their music. Um, there's there's people out there. I go to my son, even these bands. We went to an afternoon show at Amityville where there was maybe 15 people there. That was the Ricky Morris show, though, the release show. Oh, those those kids played their hearts out. And just if you didn't even like their music, I appreciated that they got up on stage, poured their hearts out, played to their heart's content. And I didn't walk away as a fan, but I walked away appreciating. And um, it's, yeah. 
I never would have discovered any of this without my son, but on my own, you know, I pick and choose bands that I like, but I never would have discovered this world without my son pointing it out to me. Uh, fair enough, man. And Chris, um, you know, you told us the story of uh, discovering Iron Maiden um, through that. I, I guess what it was like a compilation that came with a video game. That yeah, it was called yeah. Ed Hunter. Yeah, Ed Hunter. I'm sure my my friend Rick from Reeking Aura probably knows exactly what it is. He's probably looking it up on Discogs as we speak. Uh, but um, he's a big Iron Maiden guy. But um, uh, like I, I want to flip that question that I just asked your dad about if he would know about this type of stuff if it wasn't for you. Going back, you know, playing the Kiss, playing Black Sabbath, things like that. Did like it's like sometimes almost what your parents are into you have to reject when you're young like you have to think that whatever your parents are into isn't cool kind of like i know i went through that or whatever like but like what's how how is uh your dad kind of being into hard rock and heavy metal in that way like affected your your perception of it and do you think that that played a part in you getting into it through the years um i think it definitely played a part because i mean like i said you know in pre-k he would play Black Sabbath and System of Down. And Black Sabbath now is one of my favorite bands of all time. You know, first four albums for me are just like, like God tier. But then, um, you know, I just, I feel like if I didn't know those things in the beginning, because like I said, I wasn't into music for a long time. I feel like if I, if he didn't show me those things in the beginning, I probably would not have gone into it unless I went through our iTunes thing because we had, you know, iTunes, like, you would just buy the music now, which feels so long ago. <laughs> um, we had so many songs, like, there was, like, Holy Wars, there was Enter Sandman, one. Um, and I feel like I wouldn't have gone through the I, like the iTunes thing and just found all those songs if it wasn't for him showing me those bands initially. Okay, fair enough, man. And um, on that note, then... I want to talk uh, about specific uh, uh, bands, specific music. What I what I always do with these interviews is I ask the guests to recommend old, one older uh, release and one newer release by any band they you know any band or the, like metal or otherwise anything like that. So I wanted to to get maybe we'll start with you, Bill. Um, uh, recommend for our listeners an album from back in the day. It could be Black Sabbath or Kiss or not. Uh, but also recommend something new, something more recent that you've gotten exposed to. Uh, album. That's that's uh, that's always a difficult one, I think, for anybody. Um, Black Sabbath, Nip, right? That's uh, the album size, the subtitle. Right. And um, actually, uh, another album, just to throw as a side note, uh, which people don't bring up, but if you listen to it, if you Ace Frehley's uh, solo, when back in the day when Kiss was doing the Love Gun tour, they broke up, remember, and they put out their own records. Like Fractured Mirror, that's still being, you know, a lot of people try to emulate that song. That's like, back then, I think that's a work of art, genius. So those two. Um, and as for new, I'm liking, and I'm sorry, I can't pinpoint really anything, but I'm liking everything that um, me and my son are discovering, like, I mean, you like enforced, enforced, you know, putting out some great stuff, and um, I, you know, the list goes on. I'm sorry, I can't point one out, but I'm really in love with like everything that's coming out lately. 
No, I, I hear you, man. And that that's a deep cut. Ace Freely solo album. Fractured Mirror is the song is the song or the album? The song. Okay. I gotta look that up, man. Again, Kiss is is a band I'm kind of exploring a little bit later on in life. Um re- respectfully. Uh and enforce that that gives me a question for you too, because a lot there's a lot of bands now that are coming back with kind of a retro sound from the eighties, old Metallica, old Slayer, that type of thing, man. What, what do you, what's your take on that bill? Seeing that kind of come back. Um, is that, do you, do you feel like that's something you've seen in your life a lot that, that a lot of things stylistically come back metal or otherwise? It's good point on your part. Um, yes, they are picking from the past and, and, but what they're doing is they're amplifying it. They're making it. It's the best analogy I can give is like, um, Zach Wilde, when he does Zach Sabbath, I mean, he plays the Black Sabbath music, but he plays it with that, gives it that punch, that edge, where you listen to Black Sabbath, it's artistic, it's beautiful, really captures you. But when Zach Zach Wilde does it, it just, it, he pumps it up. I mean, there's different energy. So yeah, they're taking, of course, they've, they've been influenced or they like it, and they're infusing it into their music, and they're putting in uh, they're amping it up. I mean, there's more power in it. There's more punch to it. So, yes. Okay. Um, uh, fair enough. And then, Chris, we're going to go to you now. Uh, just an older and a newer recommendation as we do on the podcast. That's a hard one. Um, Take your time. <laughs> for old, I think, I mean, one of my favorite albums, probably my favorite album of all time, uh, Demolition Hammer, Epidemic of Violence. I mean, that that's like like the epitome of thrash for me. It's like, because I mean, that's literally, that was the album that kind of sent off thrash initially, you know, 1992. I mean, nobody was doing thrash at that point. Then Demolition Hammer came in, they were, they were still ripping. Um, and for new metal, I would say... Honestly, I feel like the thing is, on July 7th, there was like three or four albums that came out and just album of the year contenders. There was Lipoma's new album. I don't know if you know them. They're from New York as well. Who's that? Uh, Lipoma. They're uh, like their path. I don't know if you're too familiar with Grind, but they're like pathological gore grind, kind of like lymphatic phlegm. Could you, and, um, could you spell the name for me? Uh, L-I-P. L-I-P. O-M-A. OMA, uh, you just caught me completely off guard with a gore grind band from New York. Now on the on on the podcast, we're gonna edit that out. No, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up though. That, um, awesome, man. Uh, that I'm just curious, like who's in that? If they've been playing shows, that's awesome, man. Uh, when it's you know when it's a New York band, uh, something local. Have you seen them live? Uh, no, because it's actually a one man project. But uh, I think he does have. He said he might do a live show or like a little tour, but he's not exactly sure. He's he's from Greece and he got his uh his PhD here, so he's in New York now. He's in Brooklyn and uh he just got his PhD recently and you know, he's been doing he pumps out albums like it's nothing. Like he releases at least an album within every year. And it's you know, he just makes incredible music. Like if you if you it's like Almost like a war grind mixed with black metal. It's a really interesting um, thing, and not a lot of people are doing it these days. All right, I'm gonna check the, check that out, man. And that 
being you just kind of re- reminded me of something that I think about from time to time. Being on Long Island or just in New York or the tri-state area in general, in general, we're a little spoiled for some of the music that we get exposed to because people come from all over the world to New York City. Back in the day, I talk about this on the podcast every once in a while, in, Internal Suffering, the uh, originally from Columbia, the death metal band, they were all relocated to New York City at one point and were playing shows like they were just another local band, and we got to see them every weekend. So you never know who's going to pop up uh, regionally being around here, man. Sometimes you get you get that, man. I got to check out that band. Um, yeah. Uh, so that, you know, as we kind of like wind things down, guys, I really appreciate both of you giving the time to be here and kind of give your perspective on things. Um, I, I, you know, I hope I gave you guys time to, to talk about everything we wanted to cover. Chris, I know that you are, um, working on music in some capacity yourself. I don't know if you have anything that you wanted to plug or promote at this point. Um, I don't have anything like released yet, but um, yeah. me and my friend are kind of writing, like I'm kind of making riffs for like a, uh, like a kind of crust or hardcore punk kind of thing. Just thought it'd be fun, just because um, you know I'm working on, and I'm also my friend is my friend who's actually his brother. Um, he I'm doing vocals for him on a death metal thing, and um, it's like a weird kind of like death grind kind of thing. That's that's usually my lane is weird death grind kind of thing. <laughs> um, but uh, well, yeah, you know, obviously keep in touch if you ever have anything that you want to promote. If you release a release a EP or album or whatever it is, um, and 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 with that, I want to ask you guys one kind of final question. Give you each a turn on this one. Where and uh, you know and uh, where, just in general, however you want to answer it. Where do you see metal going? From what you've seen, from what you perceive stylistically shows bands what do you kind of see coming down the pipeline in metal what's what's the next thing that you see okay yeah uh i if i had to make a prediction i see a resurgence of what we saw like in the late 60s 70s where that hippie music was fading out and then metal was coming in i see all this coming together and really like you know things ripping up and, and the crowds getting bigger and more bands coming back, the ones that had broken up or retired. And I see a, a resurgence that's not stopping. I just see this thing going for the next decade. All right, fair enough. An optimistic uh, um, uh, outlook on this kind of current metal explosion we see. Maybe this is just the, the beginning of it. Um, uh, Chris, you want to take that? Yeah, um, honestly... I feel like it's going to keep, you know, going. I feel like it's just because since I think like 2016, you know, we kind of had like that cavernous kind of death metal thing with like two mold and other bands like that. And I feel like, honestly, I thought it was going to die off at some point, but it really hasn't. Like there are new bands like, you know, Sedimentum, Mortiferum and new bands kind of introducing like a different death metal style, like 200 stab wounds on death, which on death is probably like one of the most unique death metal bands I've heard, um, which is kind of surprising to their newer band. And I feel like since there's so much variety now, even though there are a lot of bands that just kind of, you know, riff on uh, the old stuff. I mean, there's so many bands doing new things and getting large crowds together. Like, I mean, 200 stab wounds and on death, 
did a tour and they sold out like every venue they played at. They played two shows at a venue sometimes. Like, you know, for the, the fact that new death metal bands are doing that in this day and age is, I feel like that definitely says something about, you know, the metal scene in general. Yeah, yeah. You look at bands like uh, Sanguasugabog, uh, yeah. Vomit Forth, and there's a lot of younger bands right now making big moves, and there's no sign of it slowing down. I think I could kind of see both what both of you guys said and meet you in the middle there, because what I think is that a few years ago, I, I was like that too. I was like looking at this kind of resurgence of the cavernous old school death metal thing, the incantation style death metal thing, and I said, eventually this is going to crest. And, um, you know, some of these so some of these people might end up moving on to other styles of music besides death metal. But it really has. And it seems like the hardcore scene uh, has come right up under it. And now it's totally cool to mix hardcore and death metal and have bands play different shows with each other and have have, uh, you know, death metal bands that are comprised of guys that used to be in all hardcore bands. So they're mixing that sound in. That's a big thing now. And I could see it. What I've always said is I'm waiting for a point in the next few years where these bands maybe start exploring their instruments and their sound more. And we get those, um, instead of getting like, you know, all due respect to the obituaries of the world, uh, those bands, but maybe we start getting some of these bands exploring their like cynic and atheist and experimental death metal, progressive death doom phase where they put out some really, um, uh, genre bending music and 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 different music, and I'm not saying that to to put anyone down or disrespect any of the more like cavernous old school death metal bands that are out now. But I think it is going to get to an era where people just kind of, like you said, you know, the the um when the hippie stuff started dying out and people started first exploring heavy metal, I think it might get that creative spirit back to it, where people are just kind of right. exploring it more, and you know. Uh, I'll I'll leave it at that, but um, because I've gone on that rant many times on this podcast. But guys, <laughs> uh, I really appreciate it, and I'll let you close out the conversation here. Um, if you each want to just take a turn, I, I thank you both for coming on the podcast and making the time. I hope we've generated a very interesting discussion for the listeners. I know I really appreciate it, and I look forward to seeing you guys in the future. Uh, if you guys just have any final remarks for the for the podcast listeners, um, honestly, I. Like like you were saying, I kind of agree with that. The um that hardcore and death metal should kind of be together because a lot of people I still see today are just like, you know, kind of shit on each other. Like hardcore people kind of shit on death metal people. Death metal people kind of shit on hardcore people, which I feel like is kind of unfair because, you know, like I mentioned before, two hundred stab wounds kind of definitely takes hardcore influences. I don't know if you know the band Mongrel. Mm-hmm. They kind of take mm-hmm. hardcore influences. Um, and a lot of hardcore also takes death metal influences. Like I. Like a gridiron just played here recently, and they have a few songs where they kind of have like um deeper kind of growl vocals, and like I feel I feel like people should just stop bitching and just listen to each other's music because I mean, you know why why be so close minded? Like I used to be like that. I used to you know kind of just listen to something for like ten seconds and be like, all right, I don't like this, <laughs> and then turn it off. And then like years later, I came back to I'm like, wow, this is like really good. I never gave it a chance, which, you know, if you do that, you're just going to miss out on so much crap. And I feel like you just got to enjoy stuff sometimes. Okay. We, we were closing out, but you bring up a really good point. I want to hit that real quick because my perception, my, I told you guys my generation, when I was coming up as a teenager in the late nineties, hardcore was over here and death metal was over here. 
and the two didn't really meet much. Like the, you had the that was when it was like hate breed. Earth Crisis, Victory Records, that kind of thing. And then, you know, um, uh, over here, you know, death metal was not as popular in the late 90s as it had been. Those bands were on a little bit of a downturn just, just in terms of where the music scene was at. And I perceive it as being better now than it was then <clears throat> in terms of, like, the kind of animosity between the scenes. Um, because of bands like Mongrel and some of the other bands you were mentioning and the maggot stomp scene. Now I see hardcore and death metal coming together more than not. Um, so it was just interesting that you, that you still perceive that you still notice that going on. Um, uh, I think the lines were a little bit more clearly drawn because also something, the internet and social media in the last 20 years has broken down how much labels and marketing people control genres. Um, back in the day, like the, you know, whoever was controlling the, whoever made the one page ads in magazines for nuclear blast records and victory records, not to single them out, but just to give you an example, had a lot more influence than bands do nowadays, just by way of making memes, you know, on, on Instagram or something like that. So, uh, Bill, I, I know we were closing out, but I want to get your input on that because the hardcore versus metal short hair versus long hair thing. Uh, as far as I know, was even more of a, a, a clearly drawn line in the 80s. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but with what I see today is whatever show we wind up going to, you, you see some of the same characters over and over and over, yeah. even though you go to different venues and different concerts and you listen to different genres. So I, I do see the crowd not caring as much about that. The, the vibe is not really there. It's more blurred than this, you know, some border secondly uh the little that i do know about bands and the music is that a lot of band members play on other bands or they go and they help other bands when they're doing recordings or trying to come up with new ideas where 20 years ago that was unheard of bands yeah. stayed with their band and nobody helped anybody uh unless the band had broken up or they weren't touring but there's a lot more sharing between bands. There's a lot more camaraderie between bands. Fans know it. So there's always going to be that, you know, that handful of people that say, no, 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 you can't listen to this because of X, Y, Z. And, but people see that the bands are cooperating with each other, that you see the same people over and over at the same shows. So it's not that deep of a line or, you know, a divide. Yeah, that's that's something that has really taken hold in the last several years is the idea. Like, I mean, when I interview older bands from the 90s that are a little bit above my generation, they'll tell stories of guys getting kicked out of a band for uh, uh, doing a side project or joining someone else's band or playing. You know what I mean? Like back at like. Right. And it was this idea it was, you know, all for the band and people thought they were going to make a living off it. And now it's kind of completely flipped to where. Me and this kind of group of like a dozen people, we're in like four or five bands between the dozen of us. And whichever one starts getting the hype or getting the good offers, that's the one that's going to, you know, that people are going to spend time on. And the other people will kind of pick up the crumbs, you know, to, to, you know, respectfully. Like, um, like you see how we, how we move with, 
you know, I'm an exsanguinated and then all those guys are in stabbed and then some of those guys are in blame God and I got my other bands over here, but we all work together. And if a label or a, um, a show promoter happens to notice one of those bands, that's, that's, it's the, the light is shining on everyone, so to speak. You know what I mean? So it's right. all good. It's right. like a, like kind of like a team mentality. Uh, that's definitely a dynamic that has shifted, I think, in the music scene in the last several years, man. It's not as taboo to be involved in a lot of projects. Um, but, with that being said, um, guys, uh, Bill, uh, I think I was going to give you also an opportunity just to sign off and anything else you want to say to our listeners, uh, young and old, um, who stuck with us this far. And I, I thank you again for coming on the show. I spend more time with your family. Mm. Listen, listen to the music you want to listen to, and they should definitely uh, spend a lot of time listening to your music. You've <laughs> got a voice, like I said, not because you got us on a podcast and just being very factual. You've got an iconic voice and um, they should, they should take uh, more time to listen to your stuff. I, I thank you again for the compliment, man. And for your time, man, we'll, we'll leave it there guys. And um, uh, we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk in person in the future, man. Maybe this won't be the, the last time we get you on the show, man. All right. All right. Thank you. I was you know those guys they've been coming out to shows yeah i think i met them uh once or twice man they were at the cool. reeking or record release yeah uh oh okay at amityville yeah right were they also at rams uh yes 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 yeah okay. and i got the first time i met those guys i i, I could tell you know you know when you can tell that that like a, a younger a younger head is at a show with a relative or somebody else yeah i got Cause there's like there's like the vibe where like where like my mom used to drop me off in front of the show, um, and say bye, sweetie, have a good time, <laughs> and embarrass me and shit. But like no 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 like Chris and Bill like I I looked at Chris and Bill when they were coming up to the merch table. I was like oh this kid Chris he's he's probably got a cool older brother that, that's his cool older brother or something man. So shout out to Bill man holding it down man. Um, uh, turned out to be his father. Funny enough, I think we're back, Terrell. I didn't even really snap the magic fingers, but we're back now. Man. Oh, well, okay. We're right um, back in. Yeah, we're Luckily right back. I didn't say anything crazy. No, if you said that, we would have. We edited. We we edited <laughs> out. We edited out all of your crazy remarks that you made. You're not going to get canceled. Okay. Um, but uh, what you do have to do though to to um to 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 repay us here on the podcast for that uh, uh travesty, I want you to re- I want you to recommend a hot death metal album, but also tell us why it's relevant to the conversation we were having before about the shows you attended this weekend. What was the final show? Oh, okay. Awesome. So that final show was, uh, immortal suffering, uh, putridity and cenotaph. Wow. And, uh, that leads into my recommendation of, uh, cenotaphs perverse dehumanized dysfunctions, um, mm. from the year 2017. Yes. Um, but yeah, just real quick, obviously, Cenotaph's coming from Tur- Turkey, but uh, Petrinity came out also from Italy. So it was awesome to have two uh, European bands come out and play Brutal Death Metal on a Monday night in Brooklyn. So that was sick. 
that so between Thursday, Saturday, and Monday, you had defeated sanity, stabbing, pyrexia, animals killing, and cenotaph from sorry, all these bands playing in in Brooklyn, New York. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> that goes to show what we're always talking about about um. We're a little spoiled out here with the local scene, man. It's crazy that, you know, I've said this before with the whole Between the Berry to Me uh, and the Atheist Cynic tours being around the same time. If they could have just had all of those packages on like a Saturday night, some like a all-day Saturday fest somewhere in Brooklyn, that would have been nuts. You know what I mean? Dude, oh, tell me about it. We were talking about that the first time because the night the, the Pyrexia and Theta show happened, Cenotaph was playing out in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And apparently that show was not well advertised, well pushed, and a band that's on their 30 year anniversary tour, you know, could have been headlining alongside Pyrexia with us, making it turn into a fest. Come on. Make it so I don't have to pay the toll twice. And then, you know, of course, we're going to have freaking congestion prices, but I'm not going to go too deep into New York, New Jersey politics, stuff like that. Yeah. Vitus could have told the emo night kids to. To postpone it for a little bit and throw in a couple extra bands on there. Come on. No, shout to Dave and all everybody at Vitus, man. Good time. Um, I'm sure the show would have been advertised a lot better had it been at Vitus, that Cenotaph show. Now, but getting into this album, um, just for the listeners, quite a while, a few years ago now, we had uh, Batu Chaitin, uh, I believe was how you pronounce his name, of of uh, Turkish band Cenotaph, not to be confused with Mexican band Cenotaph. On our podcast, we did an extensive interview with him, and we talked a little bit about this album. Um, this is... I felt like this was almost a return to form for Cenotaph, because I'm a bit like... Puke Genital Purulency was like one of the yeah. seminal, brutal death metal albums of my life. Uh, hard to top. Um, I got into that late teens, early 20s, whatever it was, and, you know, it's just, it just it, it made an impression on me. Having listened to Cenotaph through the years... Even before Puke Genital Purulency, they went through a little bit of a stylistic shift from their first album to that. So, like, Puke, and, and, and also with, like, the um, different lineup changes and things that have occurred. Yeah. Like, it's natural to expect a little shift in sounds, but I felt like this album was a return to form compared to some of the other albums that preceded it. It sounds almost like the Puke Genital Purulency uh, kind of blasting brutality, but with a more refined technical aptitude, if that makes yeah. sense. Um yeah. And I want to leave it there because I, I I obviously love it. I I love it. Kind of on one hand, uh, puke genital purulency is a little bit more raw and brutal and a sign of the times from when it was released. Whereas this is like the refined, advanced, uh, you know, hybrid creature. Like you're looking at the xenomorph. Like what a beautiful creature. You know what I mean? Like this <laughs> is the the advanced version. And I'm just gonna leave it there and let you kind of get into it. Yeah, I mean, you, you captured that well. I even thought going back to puke genital purulency. Yes, yes. That it, like you said, like, I didn't realize they were doing such advanced style with, like, being off kilter a little bit, throwing in those pinch harmonic riffage, and, like, it's really kicked up to 10. So, like, if you're into malignancy and defeated sanity and stuff like that, this is one band that you cannot overlook. And they've put out such consistent releases. I mean, speaking of Feet of Sanity, I really got into the album right before this that Lila um, played drums on. And yes, that was a yeah. main selling point. That kind of brought me into the Cenotaph universe. Um, but then seeing them live, it's it's pretty incredible. They performed as a three-piece and it was one of the best shows I've seen. It's unreal. Like Batu, he has such a distinct uh, guttural style 
like on any band and any recording i mean kind of like you too will like once you hear that it's like oh you know it's that vocalist so you know it's about to on, on that recording um and it's it's a really cool style mixed in with the hyper technical but sometimes groovy and like there's there's sense to the uh to the song structure um this they also have a more recent album that i haven't dived too much into and they've also changed up the lineup again with a new guitarist new drummer but somehow they managed to make an album that sounds like it was the same guys i'm always huh. amazed by that right when you have like a really weird or at least what you consider weird and out there kind of sound really well executed by new people um unless you know so some guys in the back you know just writing everything i mean definitely <laughs> it's it's an interesting concept but i feel like it occurs more and more nowadays because like much like cenotaph like I'm sure where that guy's from in Turkey, Cenotaph is even more renowned in the death metal scene because, you know, as it For is, sure. you know, everywhere. But so it's probably I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's conceivable that he could find a few musicians from the local scene and be like, hey, man, will you write a new Cenotaph album with me? And those guys are probably familiar with the material enough where they'll, you know, the same way bands like Suffocation or Internal Bleeding can recruit new members over the years who are familiar with the older albums and can write in that style. Yep. Um, I could see that happening, but something that I was like, I, you know, uh, shout out to metal archives as always. Um, they make this so easy to do. I was just looking up this album, the two guys on this album with him, um, the drummer and the guitarist, uh, Alakan Airbass and Erkin Ozturk. These two guys, uh, went on to be in a band called Rectal Tus. Uh, R-E-K-T-A-L-T-U-S-E. No idea what that's all about. I was listening to it. It's a, it's, um, if you're Turkish or if you speak Turkish, you might want to check out that band because all the lyrics and song titles reflect that. And it's a more of a social political commentary band. So that might be a little bit more interesting for someone who's more familiar with that country and that culture. But it is, um, a very stripped down kind of traditional grindcore sounding band, maybe for fans of Nazem. Um, which which was like surprising to me, but also just kind of interesting. Just to if you like this Cenotaph album that you're talking about, it's kind of interesting to see what those two guys who who wrote it with him, what they're doing now. Um, so I'll send you the For link sure. later. Yeah, I, I kind of looked that up last minute. I didn't have time to send you the link, but um, people could look up that band Rectal Tus. T U S S with a hook. Yeah, however you pronounce that. Yeah, very Turk Turkish language centric but yeah um uh, anything else to to add about this album i mean even just on that guy you mentioned um erkin um he even had he went on to do some solo projects too and he's an absolutely nuts musician and another batu connection uh the band molested divinity yes who was you know batu fronted for a while is unfortunately not part of anymore erkin is now the vocalist of that band and hearing the new album without even knowing that he's really managed to kind of channel Batu style. So interesting. It's, you know, one of those musicians that make me want to quit because he just plays everything and he's disgusting at everything. <laughs> it's you know, I was just yeah. gonna say it's so interesting how this like these bands like Defeated Sanity and Cenotaph and um I'll throw Wormed in the discussion. They play yeah. such technically advanced music and there's such like there's a finesse to the musicianship. And they kind of squander it on underground, guttural, brutal death metal. I mean, look, I, I say it. I say that respectfully and lovingly. I'm joking, but um, I, I you know I know a lot of these guys are professional musicians. They teach, they do other things. They're involved in, in more um 
traditional types of uh, music ensembles, but it, it just blows my mind sometimes how much you could miss on these albums if you're not really paying attention, I guess I would say. Yeah, for sure. And we, we do the same thing, man. You got to yeah. put in the time and energy into something that, you know, most people are not going to end up hearing, but you know it's what, what's most important to you, right? It's not a popularity contest. Yeah. Keeping it true and keeping it brutal. I try to keep that in mind. I'm tough sometimes, man, with my ideas in the studio. You know that, man. Um, uh, yeah, but business is business. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, getting down to business, um, Tom, uh, my, my loyal podcast producer, always behind the scenes with Justin, please play a little bit of uh, Perverse Dehumanized Dysfunctions by Cenotaph, their 2017 album on Hammer Music. Tom's probably got that one already. Like, he's, probably got yeah. that, he's probably got that queued up just to listen to while he power lifts or something. Um, I got a recommendation to, um, it's not as, um, uh, squeaky clean, <laughs> not as, not as technically proficient. Uh, a long time ago, there was a band, uh, from a faraway place called Unleshed. Um, <laughs> no, there was, I, for people who don't know, there was, a, I probably told this story at least two or three times, but uh, my chat, my good friend, Polish Pete. Moved here to the United States, to New York from Poland in the mid-90s and came to our high school, was in high school with me, and he was a fan of death metal, so me and him obviously hit it off and started hanging out, and he was telling me for a few weeks, oh, this like this band, Unleshed, Unleshed, that he kept telling me about this band, Unleshed, that, that he wanted me to hear, they were so sick, and then he finally brings in an Unleashed CD. One day, so that was the that was the big joke, man. But shout out to him, man. Um, and shout out to people who are bilingual because I only speak one language. All right, so the real joke's on me. Uh, but Johnny Headland, uh, this is again according to our buddies at Metal Archives. Uh, Johnny Headland was kicked out of Nihilist, who split up and reformed as Entombed to avoid firing him directly. Um. Oh. Uh, Unleashed are credited to be one of the first death metal groups to write songs about Viking, Scandinavian history and heritage instead of more typical subjects like death and gore. Now, uh, that's for your Amon Amarth fans. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> um, well, you know, it's funny because I was thinking about this. I'm I'm a bigger fan of Unleashed as like a, a an aesthetic than I am of their albums. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, man. I'm being a dick. It's okay. But... Um, well, I say that respectfully because I, I, there's a point after their demos and their first album where they slowly, their second album, I can listen to some of the tracks, but they kind of transition to this more stadium death metal thing. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's like indicative of, of Amon and Marth and where they would go kind of, I think, to maybe the kind of beer hall metal thing, which, uh, dude... More power to you. I'm not Swedish. No one in my family is from Europe for like four generations now. Like I just, <laughs> the Viking genes are lost somewhere. All right. I'm sorry. Um, I can't do the Viking thing. But what I do like about, uh, and I'm lying. I've probably talked about one or two Viking bands I like on here. But listen, 
Uh, I don't want to lose you because there's uh, crazy allegations sweeping the death metal community. Uh-oh. Yeah, I don't know how these people get these ideas that I bought an unleashed bootleg CD. Um, that wow, might, yeah. the rumors have been unleashed. Yeah, 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 the ru- the crazy rumors. Um, uh, yeah, they say it's called And the Laughter Has Died. It's a collection of their first two demos and some live tracks. Uh, so I, I just shot you a link to their first demo. Um, three songs, easy to digest. This is like, I'm not recommending a full album or, you know, anyone's discography today. This is an easy listen for you guys today. Maybe if you're in the van or something, or if you, you know, you're on your lunch break, this is an easy one. Um, they have the utter dark demo from 19, from March 90, the revenge demo from September 90, um, and the Dark One promo from uh, December 90 as well, and then a bunch of live tracks. Bottom line about this is it's kind of, maybe it's what you'd exactly ex- expect from like a demo level uh, Swedish death metal band from 1990 before things got like super polished and, and melodic, but this is like, I haven't used this term on the podcast in a while. The Patreon people and the OG fans might remember this is Metal of Death. This is clear cut, yeah. a clear cut case of a hundred percent metal of death, creeping, sludging, pounding, stomping, slurping metal of death. It doesn't get any sicker than this. Um, these unleashed demos are some of the sickest shit ever. I'm still, I'm. It's still kind of on my my wish list to buy a physical copy of their first album. Um, I don't really get too much into their second album, like I said, man, but like these demos, there's something else to them. And it's like, you know, there's the, whatever happened with him and Nihilist, um, you know, you can kind of hear that maybe this is a band from the same music community as Nihilist. If you're a fan of Nihilist, if you're a fan of that old, um, these old bands like Carnage and Nihilist and maybe the old Finnish bands before they recorded their first album, if you're a fan of those really sludgy, crazy um, lo-fi, bombastic-sounding death metal demos from the late 80s and 90s, this is one for you. And I'll say this, too. It doesn't seem to... Ha- it's one of those things where it's metal of death because it doesn't seem like particularly brutal thrash metal. It seems like yeah. death metal. This is fucking yes. death metal. So Primordial. Yeah, yeah. I, it, like I said, it's only... like I'm talking about their first few demos in general, but I'm kind of recommending their first demo. That's what I linked to you. So I don't want to over-talk it. It's only a few songs, but it's worth a listen, man. Did you get a chance to check it out? Yeah, man. It's, it's awesome. I like Unleash... Excuse me, Unleashed. <laughs> um, and also, the thing is, I only really listened to that first album, Where No Life Dwells, mm-hmm. and I think that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, doesn't feel like the rest of the uh, more melodic Swedish death metal. It's a little more like Grave. And yeah. this demo is especially a, a little more like Grave, too. It's, it's raw. Um, still kind of clear, but it's got that bass like it was on a cassette. You know, that a little weaker putrefaction in there. A little a little bit of that feel. Not as grindy, though. Um, weird panning. I don't know if you noticed that. There's like... The bass is a little off to the right-hand side for whatever reason, but it still sounds okay. It's not jarring enough. Usually that, like, I guess I noticed and I'm talking about it, so it still left an impression with me, but it's just, it gives that vibe. It's like, no, nah, I would have to have my own channel. <laughs> like, like some the basis is like yeah, I ain't sharing some guy in I 1990 like <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> they're gonna hear me yeah that's why they got <laughs> they were turning his shit down in nihilist so he's like nah I get my own speaker fuck that 
I mean, but though, yeah, man, this is sick. Yeah, with a tone like that, though, he deserves it, man. The grave comparison didn't pop into my head at first, but it's a great comparison because they, especially on the Into the Grave, the first Grave album, that guitar tone, so yeah. sick, man. And this, this just the tone is there. It's just a dismal dungeon of a guitar tone and. Like I said, it doesn't strike me as a particularly thrash metal or traditional heavy metal influenced album that was creeping into death metal. Like these these guys knew what death metal was. They knew where it was going and they just fucking got on the train, man. Um uh so with that being said, I'm just going to uh, recommend that. And like you said, the um what it was where no life dwells was the first album, right? Um, yeah, I think so. Yep. So I'm gonna go ahead and 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 say like yeah, like the demos and anything that came out before that first album and that first album where no life dwells, man. I definitely liked. I I had a copy of Shadows in the Deep, the second album. Not okay. a not a bad album, I'm gonna say, but like there was just a few moments on it where it started like creeping into that arena rock Viking metal type of thing. It was a little catchy. Like there was one part where they had that this kind of like like you know pounding like bass kick drum part like gung gung oh, and yeah. a chant and you <laughs> hey, know yeah they, and they recorded it into the album like a live moment but without any live audience <laughs> <laughs> look respect respect i'm sure that there's like thousands of european metalheads that will like chant to that in public and will not to any of my bands like i'm I, i'm not trying to sound <laughs> condescending but it's just not for my suburban lawn mowing Long Island ass over here, all right? Um, I, dr- I drink White Claws. I've been above the table about that with the listeners, all right? I don't have a mead goblet that I bring to shows. Uh, but with that being said, um, Terrell, any, any final thoughts on this before we unleash this on the listeners? Stan, uh, just check it out. It's the day before 1992. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Well, you never know, man. Dude. You know, I'm joking. You know, not yeah. for nothing. Well, no, I'm, yeah. uh, that's my rule. Stay before night. Not for nothing, <laughs> though, man. I'm not going to call out any names because he's good He's good people, man. I, I got love for everybody. But it just shows you how opinions differ. There was a guest not too long ago who was trying to tell me that um, – uh, I don't want to blow it up too much, but he was like he was talking about a certain year in death metal, and he was like, "That's when Wolverine Blues came out." And I was like, "Oh, I heard. like record, like record stop." <laughs> you know, I didn't want to blow up his spot, man, because when you're a guest to the show, it's like it's like you're a guest to my house. I'm not gonna blow up spots. I'm not gonna, you know, what I mean, you have the floor, but like, I, in my head, I was like, "Hmm, I, I could debate that a little bit." But you know, yeah. you know, regardless, I, I know what you're talking about, yeah. and when I hear that, I just gotta think. You just gotta think. What's their argument? And like, what's the validity? <laughs> so it's just like what their. It made sense, right? When he when he yeah. said those certain albums, I'm like, everything lines up. Every everything's checked off. That death metal audit landed in the box that I expected it to. Like, and, if you ask me, you could probably guess around where I like based off the type yeah. of music I play. Yeah, dude, and so. like, and it doesn't, and it's like, it's like you said, the the only argument is your your taste. It's it's like what you like listening to. So it's like again, at the end of the day, there's there is some objective truth though. I'm just yeah. <laughs> well, all I'm getting at because I'm not trying to shit on that guy or Wolverine Blues, even though it's not my favorite Dismember album. If you're a fan of the oh no, it's, it's, Wolverine Blues was entombed. Dismember was massive killing capacity. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, two albums, two stages in those bands' careers that. Um, weren't necessarily for my taste. Uh, that but, guy was cool, though. Yeah, but it's all it's all gravy. And the whole reason I'm saying all this is because people who are fans of those albums might follow Unleashed further into the discography than you or me. Yeah. And hey, if, you know what, man? Like, Sorry to go on this tangent, but when I was yeah. listening to it, I heard parts where I was like, 
these are the riffs that the new OSDM bands are trying to copy. Mm. And they're simple riffs. And then sometimes they just did like one little extra bend that I'm like, I don't hear a new band doing this riff, even though it's so simple. It's like, you got to stop trying to copy the old band, but try to get into the old school mentality. And I know that's, that sounds so self-righteous saying that, or just, I don't know, but I know you know what you, you know, don't mean to go and simp into like reeking, but like the idea is like, you, you want to do, you want to have the old school mentality, yeah, but yeah. not necessarily try to just copy some, you know, an old band. Dude, I mean, I have the old school mentality, all right? Like, just the same way it was in the 90s, bro. I live with my mom. I don't have a girlfriend. I smoke weed and listen to cassette tapes. I'm there, all right? Check, check, <laughs> check. Not to flex on anyone, oh, but, you know, like, I'm sorry. Flex so, offender over here. Sometimes, and, I, and by the way, if anyone got pissed off at what I said about Wolverine Blues or anything else I've ever said on this podcast, remember those three truths of my life, all right? And before, <laughs> I'm not trying to speak down to anybody over here, all right? No, uh, shout, we just like what we like. Sh- yeah, yeah, shout, shout out to yeah. my mom, all right? Shout out to my mom. My mom, my mom, oh, yeah. kind, of, my mom kind of looks like she could be related to Johnny Headland. You've met my mom. You, I'm not lying, bro. <laughs> Shout out to John. I've, re- I've, re- I've reached out to Johnny Headland's people. I reached out to their management for an interview a while ago, man. And then never uh, never got back to me yet. Still waiting, respectfully. Okay. Um, would love to speak to that man about his career. But listen, I'm going to end it here, man. We're already going into, like, dangerous uh, Patreon, know, Patreon loose stop. talk. Loose. You've been listening to that Patreon episode, man. You're talking loose. got a little loose. Oh, boy. So um, The Utter Dark uh, is a demo. Revenge is a demo. And The Dark One is a promo from Unleashed. Just check out Unleashed, man. Good band. Listen to all their shit. Don't tell them we're over here talking a bunch of shit, okay? Uh, Tom, you weren't involved in this conversation for when Unleashed and their Viking squadron hunt us down. So don't worry. You won't be included in the... Um, the, 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 the reciprocation for this massive shit dump. Uh, but please spin a little bit of the Utter Dark demo uh, by Unleashed for these people, sir. Terrell, you okay? Yeah, for the record, we don't hate, we like Unleashed. <laughs> I didn't. That's why we're talking. I invited <laughs> you on my podcast and you started talking reckless about Swedish death metal in general. I'm I mean, trying I'm, to apologize in reverse. I'll yeah. get back to the intro fuck up. The only band here, <laughs> the only Swedish death metal band you're allowed to talk about like that is in flames on this podcast. Oh, no, I'm, listen, yep, I we've, we've been there. there are, they, I, I'll listen to some in flames albums and check them out. Um, no, we're talking a lot of shit today. We got to slow it down. We're getting cocky because we're going away on tour, man. We're getting that, that New York out of towner mentality that people love so much out of state. Definitely. <laughs> I tried, I'm, I'm trying to work on my accent for when we go out of state. So people don't know I'm from New York, Terrell. How do you think, <laughs> how is it going to go? <laughs> you just sound like a cop. Yeah. yeah. Like oh God. Yeah. I'm going to. And FBI. At the same time. Hey guys, uh, I'm not a cop. Where do we load in the drums? <laughs> where do we se- where do you- <laughs> where do we where do we sell the t-shirts? I'm not a cop, guys. No, oh god. All right, enough, enough, enough is enough with this crap, man. Um, 
listen, Reeking Aura, me and Terrell are going to be off of this um, podcast and out there on the road coming up very soon. Um, we have the pleasure and the honor of supporting Atoll, uh, Pyrexia, and Animals Killing People just added to the lineup. Very happy to see those guys added to the lineup. Um, we're going to be in Frederick, Maryland on the uh, 3rd of August. We're going to be at Richmond, Virginia on the 4th of August, Charlotte, North Carolina on the 5th, Spartansburg, South Carolina on the 6th, uh, Atlanta, Georgia. We're coming down to see Tom over there um, on the 7th of August, Tampa, Florida on the 8th, Orlando, Florida on the 9th. Um, just like when you're watching the little balls get ready to pop up with the numbers for the lotto, for like the, the oh, New yeah. York lotto, we're waiting to see what, the, what, the, what, the, what it's going to be on the 10th of August to be determined. Um, so we're going to see what happens there. The 11th, we're going to be in Newark, Delaware, creeping closer to home. My accent sounding less weird to people at that point. Uh, and the 12th, uh, of August, we're going to be in Clifton, New Jersey at the old dingbats there, man. So that's for everybody. Please check it out, man. We're looking forward to all these shows. We're, looking, we're playing a lot of places we've never played before with Reeking Aura. Uh, looking forward to all that. Terrell, are you ready for this? In the words of, in the words of a wise man, are you ready? I'm ready. I think. Not really. I'm scared. But I'm ready. But I'm not. Um, but it'll be okay. Dude, I'm super scared. <laughs> I'm very scared of... I'm actually very scared of going... Like, they just announced a heat wave. Like, as, yeah. <laughs> as if the heat... Like, I thought we were already in the heat wave. I was like, I thought I, I thought this was the heat wave. They're like, no, we're going into the heat wave this weekend. So now we're going like, all right, the heat wave, we might as well go down to fucking Florida and South Carolina. Yeah. But, let's hope it dies down. Let, let's you hope, know what I thought? Let's hope the air conditioner in the van doesn't die down, all right? No, go go ahead. I'm sorry. Now, just like you mentioned, we're playing Newark, Delaware, and I I just thought Buckshot played in Newark, Delaware, like 10 years ago. Yeah, on Rick's birthday. A lot of 10-year anniversaries and stuff. For the listeners, yeah, for the listeners, you can look up the Buckshot facelift Salt Milk official video. Uh, We shot a music video down and documented our our us playing in the laundry room of a punk house in Delaware. That was shout out to Alex Sadat. That was quite a and Project oh, Pat. Yeah. Wonder I wonder what ever became a Project Pat, man. That, that was <laughs> some wild kids down there. Um, you know that. Art, dude, an uh, artificial brain played when when I was still in the bid. Artificial brain played there once uh, a few years after that. Um, there's just a, <laughs> I, dude, somebody, I hadn't even heard this phrase yet, like this meme, but like, you know, like giving someone the aux cable, like when you get the aux cable, like those memes, dude, yeah, I, yeah. they, that's because of me that that's a meme, dude. I fucking, I, there was like, there was like a party at that house. There was, dude, there was like a bunch of people there from the show. There was like all these chicks there and everything. Somebody, somehow I got the aux cable and I put on like. All my like ninety, you know the shit I listen to when I drive when I'm on tour, like the not like Bobby Brown and shit, and like yeah, New Jack, uh, yeah, new, awesome. new Jack Swing and shit, dude. It was it, it that wasn't the vibe at the at the goth uh, crust party, apparently, man. Oh. S- excuse me, sorry. <laughs> All right, but um, uh, where was I going with that? Shout out oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout, look, shout out to everyone down there. Look, you guys are gonna get New Jack Swing down there in Delaware one day. All right. Brace yourself. And it's going to hit like crazy. It's going to catch on. Um, it's going to catch on in the thrift store. They're going to, you know, that's what's going to happen. They're going to get all the new Jack Swing CDs in the thrift stores and the radio stations are going to catch on down there. Um, shout to Delaware. We're joking. We know that you have internet down there. Um, Terrell, I think this, as much as I enjoy your company, sir, 
thank you for uh, co-hosting this event this evening and bringing this lovely Cenotaph album to our town. I knew about it, but refreshing my memory on it and telling us, uh, ravishing us with your tales of long weekends that last into Monday like young people do. Uh, anything you'd like to add? Any updates on your bands or anything? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Reeking Tour, Data's album two, Solo Stalger shows, secret core something project. Okay. Uh, shout out to Fishgood. All right. Still anxiously awaiting another project you have on the shelf. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blow yeah, up spots. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, that's the other. All yeah. right, all right. I love that other guy that's in the band with you. You guy I can see you guy, you like a tag team. It's pretty you're, sick. Like, you're like a beautiful tag team from the 1980s before they started busting steroids. No. Let me stop, man. I, I think that Patreon episode just got me loose in general now on the podcast. I'm talking a little crazy. Um, th- thank you to Bill and Chris, our guests this evening. Some t- I, got, I need Bill to come over here and set me straight. He's got to get me that like, like fatherly figure. Like, listen, Will, I, I like what you're doing on the podcast, but you got to tone it down for the kids type of thing. You know what I mean? Um, shout out to Bill and Chris. We look, we look forward to seeing them at the scene. I thank you. Uh, thank them very much for sharing their perspective on a wide range of topics related to metal and otherwise, man. I thought that was a great conversation. I really appreciate them, and I'd like to get more people on the show who aren't necessarily on stage or doing the label or or anything like that, but people who are metalheads um, supporting the scene and enjoying the music and, and, and doing all that sort of thing because they're just as much part of the scene as everyone else, man. I thank to, uh, thanks to everyone who's listening to this podcast and supporting this and all my bands. I appreciate you guys. Uh, and Terrell, just like I said, I appreciate you, bro, man. I'm looking forward to seeing you, seeing you out there on tour. Uh, even though by the time we get to Florida, the temperatures kind of be at 101. 